you've been part of the MCU. You've been part of the DCU. You've been in a lot of in a lot of the U's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to mix it up. Uh, you know, the two Fantastic Four films that I did critically were a bit maligned, but were very very popular. I stand by those films. Yeah. Um, look at them again. Yeah. They're well-made films. Yeah. And they, what they did was they understood the original Fantastic Four. And Stan Lee said that himself. The thing is, is that people, I think a lot of hipster, 30-something-year-old dudes yeah. who wanted to see this dark, brooding yeah. Fantastic Four yeah. were incorrect. Yeah. They were wrong. They're the first family of Marvel, and they're supposed to be light and cheeky and fun yeah. and funny. Yeah. We yeah. got the tone and tenor correct. They didn't. And now people are revisiting the films and going like, hey, you know, these are pretty good. Yeah. It's never going to be the Dark Knight. Frank Miller and Christopher Nolan have a lot to answer for. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. listen, the Dark Knight is the Dark Knight. Yeah. Each one of these things are very specific and have their own tone and tenor. Yeah. Fantastic Four was always a family, always, you know, the affable, blue-eyed, ever-loving, blue-eyed thing. Yeah was funny and he the banter between he and Johnny I think Chris and I were all over that shit and we had a great time doing it I will I hated that costume full disclosure I've said it a million times it was was, uh, you know a hellscape but you know the first one yeah now you would now you'd be wearing the pajamas with the CGI well, and the said a lot of talk about that, you know, would you be interested? Well, if I was doing the the ping pong ball outfit and yeah. doing the you know, doing the voice. Yeah, let's go. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast number 848. More Michael Chiklis. Last year, I talked to my old theater school friend, the Emmy and Golden Globe winning actor Michael Chiklis, about his career, specifically his performance as Red Auerbach in the HBO series Winning Time about the 1970s Los Angeles Lakers and their hated rivals, the Boston Celtics. Chick and I kept talking, as you just heard, about his forays into the worlds of superheroes, but then I asked him about whether he'd like to return to the stage, and that led us into a conversation about theater and Shakespeare and the kinds of roles he'd like to play. Absolutely. I miss the boards terribly. It's been a long, long time. Uh, You know, I think 90... Well, I did a couple of stage readings with... Uh, of things, but the last formal play I did was a one-man show on Broadway in 1997. That's way too long ago. Yeah. And I miss it in a a big way. I just, you know, now that my children are out of college, I can afford to do theater. Yeah, it's true. It's really true. (laughs) It's one of the reasons I've done music and kept the music, because that's been 
the way I can get on stage and do a live show, but it's not a huge commitment. You know what I mean? I know the songs, get the boys together, we bang out a show, and it gives you that live audience feel, and it's great. And you've got great presence, and you work a crowd really well. I've seen you do it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, well, uh, uh, so you mentioned last time we talked um, about uh, now you want to play Claudius. Uh, I So I took over. I played Claudius when you didn't do it. Right. And, and it still blows my mind that for a BFA program, two of the best roles in Hamlet went to graduate directors. That was such a stupid, bad no, thing. I think you were great, and I think it worked really well. <laughs> and, you know, it's, that's a difficult role. It really is. And, and you have to sort of give in to the villainy of it, right? Uh, and it's like you playing Red. I mean, he has a dramatic function. He's right. the bad guy. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Correct. And you need to make that choice or make a different choice. And you did, and you went there, yeah. and you know, and it makes you, as an audience member, root that much more deeply yeah. for, for Hamlet. So, are there other uh, uh, Shakespeare roles that you'd love to play? Well, the the most coveted is Richard the Third for me. Yeah. I just think he's the greatest villain ever written. One of them, certainly. Well, and that would be great because you've got charm to spare. Uh, you play all these bad guys, but you do have you could absolutely do Richard's charm. Well, thank you. Well, you know, listen, for any guy to seduce the wife of the man he's killed. Yeah. Over his body? Wow. You've got to have something going on. You do. Well, and, and this, and I don't think you get to strut your comedy chops as much in film and television. A little bit on the commish, some on daddy -o, but not, am I right about that? Yeah, you're right. I mean, I got to do a short-lived uh, um sitcom called Daddio in 2000, but the critics just absolutely ate my lunch uh, and then gave me the critics award six months later for The Shield, so <laughs> you go figure. Uh, so the critics decided where they liked you and yeah, it wasn't they, yeah, as a suburban guy. Yes, right over here. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, you know, as a matter of fact, I can swear on this, yeah? yeah? Well, I said to my wife, oh God, I shouldn't say this. I'm gonna regret this. But I turned to her at the, when, when dad, I was so bitter when daddy-o ended, because it was lovely. And it was this, you know, there was such rage toward it that I was like, is this lovely benign little daddy-o that they're so angry about? Yeah. What the, look at the vitriol. Oh, yeah. And they're talking about my head, my bald head and my, my belly and how can I get such a hot wife and it was all personal it wasn't yeah, about yeah. the work yeah so I was like you know what the next thing I do is gonna be called me. And, you know it's gonna be dark and merciless you know and that's when I actually said you know made this sort of mission statement that I was gonna do something hardcore well I'm talking about manifesting yeah. yeah and there you go and in the shield I think I tell someone to me in the pilot of the shield yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there it is, folks. It, There's the key. You and Dennis Franz, ipso this, you <laughs> pissy little bitch. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. But it's, a, it's, I mean, it, has that has that been a thing for you? I guess it has been. Being typed. Type, I mean, from I guess it has. That's what we've been talking about. Yeah. In college and in film and TV. Yes. Being typed. Yes. And, and, and it'll continue to happen. It's funny because you, 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 you throw yourself at something and... And there's an inevitability to it. If you're successful with it, it's hard to break 
that mold that right. they've seen you in. Right. Like when I did the commission, when I came down here, everybody thought I was a 50-something-year-old roly-poly guy. Yeah. And then the f craziest thing is after doing seven years of The Shield, there were people who said, oh, but he can't play a nice guy. He's that motherfucker from The Shield. Yeah. So, you know, there there is a downside to being successful in something because then you have to break it. Yeah. And you have to continue to be, well, but then you have to be patient. Yeah. And you have to go, and you also can't be afraid to prove it. Like, you know, uh, The Shield was at a fledgling network at the time, FX. Right. And, you know, my agents at the time were like, you can't read for this. This isn't even a network. You're a network television star. And I was like, they won't believe, they won't know that I can do this. They're not going to believe that I can do this. And my wife, again, you know, you get the sense that <clears throat> we're very tight. And, yeah, yeah. And I and she's very smart. You ignore her at your peril. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I yeah. don't. And she's. Yeah. yeah, I do not ignore her. And she yeah. says. She says, "Hey, if you go and you throw down, and they hire you, it's going to because they they'll be all in. They'll believe it. Yeah. And that's you need that. You don't want them worried about." you know that they made an offer based yeah. on stardom right go and prove it yeah. and i did and it was then we were shoulder to shoulder in yeah. lockstep it was just a great way to do it, it was smart hi i'm kate powers founder and star baker at the redeeming time project and you're listening to the reduced shakespeare company podcast Where can you RSC the RSC? We'll perform the complete history of comedy abridged five times this April. On April 1st in Reston, Virginia. On April 8th at the MacArthur Theater in Princeton, New Jersey. Then in Pueblo, Basalt, and Lone Tree, Colorado on April 19th, 21st, and 22nd, 2023. Check out the touring page at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or our Twitter feed at Reduced for the latest information. Now back to my conversation with Emmy and Golden Globe winning actor Michael Chiklis. I know you have strong feelings about um, uh, uh, not only Shakespeare's characters, but uh, Shakespeare himself. Do you want to talk about that? I do. Yeah. I do. All right. You know, and, I, and it's... <clears throat> I gotta say two sort of disclaimers to begin with. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't like conspiracy theories. I, and I think too many people malign people, especially people who can't speak for themselves anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm very reluctant to do it, certainly initially years ago. And this was an idea that was introduced to me many, many years ago, the idea of questioning Shakespeare's authorship. Yeah. Um, and it's taken me a very long time and a lot of research and a tremendous amount of reading to get to the point where I am now where I'm absolutely convinced of the authorship and, and who was the author and, and that it was not Shakespeare. And do you have do you have a candidate in mind? Yes, I'm an Oxfordian. Okay. There's, there's many of us. Yeah. You and Rylance and uh, Derek Jacoby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not. I'm in great company. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I actually sold a uh, a miniseries years ago to HBO. Uh huh. And they said, we'll do this, but you need to get a British production company to co-produce it with you because you're an American. Yeah. 
and heroes die hard. Yeah. And so the creatives <laughs> were like, we're in, we love it. And then the higher ups went, yeah. this is Shakespeare. Yeah. You know, you can't break that institution. No, it's not. Yeah. Well, and I, yeah, and I don't, uh, I'm, I'm, I haven't done anywhere near the research you have, but I'm fairly certain I wildly disagree, but I will agree that, that. Can I break it down for you really quickly? Yeah, in a second. Okay. Um, uh, but I absolutely agree, <laughs> but I absolutely agree um, that, uh, that any sort of, I mean, you already, you just talk about not being able to find a producer. There is a Shakespeare industrial complex yes. that has that has yeah. much, much invested. But yes, go ahead, break it down. Well, a, you know, like you said, there's a giant Shakespeare industrial complex. Yeah. We're not changing our stationery, by the way. I'm We're not going to become the reduced Devere company. I'm just saying that right now. Uh, you don't need to. Okay. It's fine. It's He's he's very safe. We've, yeah, we've agreed that he will not be. We've agreed that Shakespeare was born on the same day that he died. We can agree for the time being that he wrote the plays, but the jury's still out. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no. He wrote nothing. Uh, this is a this was a kid who was from uh, a three days hard ride uh, north of, of London. Uh -huh. He would not be privy to listen. The the the, the case against Shakespeare's author has always, frankly, been a pretty easy one uh -huh. because. Uh, I'm a person who wants to believe in virtuosity and in someone's just genius, yeah. a, a natural genius. But I don't believe in osmosis, in genius through osmosis. I don't believe that you can read and write and understand five languages without being privy to the languages. He didn't. He wouldn't have the library. He wouldn't have. He didn't travel off of the island of Britain. He was never was on. Never was on. That we know of. No, I mean that, that's pretty well. I mean it's Elizabethan England, yeah. pretty well documented. Is how is it yeah. that the greatest writer of of plays in the in the in the English language never wrote a letter, a personal letter to anyone that no. we have record of? Well. And there were letters from everyone, all of his contemporary, all of his peers. The two documents that we know, the two things that are in his hand yeah. are a fourth grade level uh, last will and testament yeah. with spelling errors written in a hand yeah. of a man who had a fourth grade education from the country. Yeah. That's who he was. Yeah. He didn't have a coat of arms. He wasn't gentrified. He came down there with stars in his eyes. And <laughs> what happened? And yeah, exactly. And Edward de Vere, the 17th Earl of Oxford, the single most educated man in Elizabethan England, said, we're going to make you a star, kid. We're going to give you the, uh, assign the, the, these plays to you. And if the, and these are the reasons that this is true. I'm a, uh, and the first one to the to, to people living in modernity won't sound legitimate because it seems like so what. But back then it would matter. It was thought beneath uh, a, a royal station to be a lowly writer of plays. Right, the, the, uh, lesser than the nobility. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's one. But two, and this is when it gets deep, political. Remember, this is Elizabethan England. Queen Elizabeth was a brilliant politician yeah. who reigned for over 50 years. And she was a Protestant in Catholic Europe. And they wanted her dead every day of the week. Yeah. And they tried to kill her multiple times, and they failed. However, whoever wrote the love letters to the House of Tudor 
like right. Richard III yes. would have been in the tower or had his head cut off the day after she died. Yeah. So, intelligently, the writer of those plays would have had a patsy. Keep his head down, yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Now, also, Proximity, who was the producer of all of these plays? Edward de Vere, the 17th Earl of Oxford. He was what, the producer? He produced all of Shakespeare's plays. He was producing. I didn't know that, I haven't even heard that. Yes, read, read. Okay. But this is the final one, this is, as a matter of fact, I, I believe A Midsummer Night's Dream was performed for the first time at his, one of his children's weddings. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, the proximity is too uncanny, but two, two last fi final strokes if I'm doing the abridged. Yeah, please. Which is appropriate. Please, yeah. <laughs> uh, when I really went, oh my God, it's him. Uh-huh. If you were given a folio of an old Tennessee Williams play that was never performed, that, um, uh, you know, that didn't have his name on the folio. Uh-huh. I, I would read that, and in, inside of five pages, I'd go, oh, this is Tennessee Williams, or someone who's really doing an imitation. Right, right. Because writers have a voice, right. a very specific and powerful voice, right. and certainly the Bard had his. Yeah. And for all these centuries, people have gone. Yeah, I read Bacon is Shakespeare, Marlowe is Shakespeare. No, they're not. Yeah. I read their plays. I read their works. They're not. They don't have the same voice. It's not him. Yeah. But when you read the letters of Edward de Vere to the Queen and to all of these different contemporaries, it's him. Yeah. You hear the so, voice. So, so, so he so he hired Shakespeare to be his front man, or yeah. yeah, basically. The biggest role that Shakespeare ever played as an actor, he wanted to be an actor. Yeah. The biggest role he ever played was of the ghost of Hamlet's father. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's his biggest role. What's what? What about the? I mean, I'm I'm fascinated to hear you say about that. Devere was a theater producer because I didn't know that. Oh, here, wait, hold on. Is this another thing? Yeah. When you look at the biography, this is this is why I like looking at another as, as an orthodox scholar, but rather as more of a an investigative reporter, yeah. if you will. If you look at the the life of Edward de Vere, it reads as a biography of the plays. Yeah. He went to all the places where the plays took place. Much of it is autobiographical. Yeah. He, they called him, what do they call him? The Italian uh, Lord, because uh, uh, he spent so much time in Italy. Okay. He understood law. He, you know, he was, Cecil was his, he was a ward of uh, the, the Queen spy monger, yeah, yeah. William Cecil. Yeah. Right? So he had the greatest wealth of knowledge, the, 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 and they, they talked about how prodigal he was as a mind. He understood five languages fluently. He understood the law. He had the intellectual base to write the greatest canon of plays in the history of the English language. There, I've said it. Well done. Well done. You laid out the case magnificently. Uh, I, I still, I still prefer the Marlowe faking his death one, but. <laughs> no. no. 
No, not so. <laughs> Again, if if you're writing plays, think of what the Fox News of the day was. Yeah. It was the theater, yeah. right? Well, and, and 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 absolutely, the person who wrote the plays was absolutely a man of the theater. So because the, there's there's too much theatrical metaphor, there's too much too many metaphors of performance and play acting and pretend um, and holding the mirror up to nature, etc. Um, uh, uh, so 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 to hear that Devere was a producer. Is that's a very interesting new fact for me? Yeah, he owned yeah. the. He was the producer of the Queensman. Yeah. He owned that theater, and, and Liz, Elizabeth loved him. She, after all, yeah. the Renaissance started under her reign. She yeah. loved talent. Yeah. She loved poets, yeah. and he was known as a as a, a man of letters, as a as a wordsmith. And she admired him. He he was unruly and difficult to control, and she was mad at him often. She actually rejected him from the court for a time, um, you know, because he was he had his naughty side in sure. a big way. Sure. Look it up, you'll see. Yeah. But when you read his bio, it's it's unbelievable because he went to all the places. He did all the things. Like even being dropped naked on the shores of of uh, you know Dover. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's pretty specific, man. That's it for this week's reduced Devere Company. Oop, sorry. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, except for one more thing, which I'll share with you in about 60 seconds, so stick around. Send us your rebuttal to or support of the authorship question via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram or on our own actual website, reducedshakespeare.com or visit my website, theshakespeareans.com. You can also follow Michael Chiklis on Twitter at Michael Chiklis. Thanks, as always, to working-class genius Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and GarageBand. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Betty Burke, or possibly it's Bet Burke. In any event, there's no reason. It's just random. Special thanks to Kate Powers, who I first met just over 500 weeks ago in podcast episode 346, talking about her extraordinary work directing and teaching Shakespeare in prisons, and as always, thanks very much to you for listening. Please continue to stay safe, get your boosters, and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 848 2544ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. I can't wait for the day that we get to see uh, Michael Chiklis starring as Edward DeVere's Richard III. One of these days, baby. Ooh, I'd love that. From your mouth to God's ears. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.